You're listening to the Zoe Turner Podcast, business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Today, I am speaking with Dr. Kremer, plastic surgeon um, from Harley Street in London. Dr. Kremer has a very unique skill of working on tired, sagging and aging skin, reviving it to its natural beauty. And in literally, in my opinion, in some cases, actually turning back the time for about 20 years. Today, we're going to talk about the changes that Dr. Kremer has witnessed over the years in his clinic with regards to patient requests and attitudes towards surgery. We'll be talking about the principal problems that women go to him for and what they're looking to achieve. And more crucially, if surgery does actually make women happier or if it maybe further compounds any deep-seated insecurities that they have. But welcome to the podcast today, Dr. Kremer. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Hi from London. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you're really busy and I know you're getting ready to go on holiday very, very soon. How are you? How's, how's things over in London and how's, how's business well, been over you know, the last few months? It's, that's, that's a very interesting thing. Um, when the lockdown started worldwide, uh, we all thought probably there's not going to be business for the next years because people are going to be scared, you know, going to clinic in the hospital. But it's the complete opposite. You, you could have never imagined that during the lockdown already, we were busy, busy with online consultations, virtual consultation, which is the new way to go. That's very interesting. What used to be in the past a bit weird not to see the doctor in, in real person. Now it's a new normal. We always do, you know, to, to honor social distancing. Also, we keep on doing this now. First half the virtual consultation, though we were fully booked. And as soon as the lockdown was partly lifted in plastic surgery could, you know, uh, work, um, we were full, fully booked. We had surgery so much. We had June was probably the busiest month ever. July, almost record hitting. It, it's surprising. Uh, I was a bit hesitant, I must tell you. I was very worried uh, for my health, for the health of my patients. So I, I thought maybe I'm never going to operate until we have a vaccine. And it was until I saw the... The, the safety protocol of my clinic, of my hospital, that was so convincing that once I read it through, I called my PA and said, you know, Antonio, we, we can do it. I, I'm ready to do it. I feel really safe. And I, I think my, our patients are very safe. So we've been very busy and that's a good thing. And it doesn't seem to stop people. I think that, you know, in this lockdown, you wonder why is that? Why are so many people suddenly want plastic surgery? It's really surprising. But I think, Suddenly you're in lockdown, you're just maybe, well, husband with your children, you don't see anyone else. You spend a lot of time looking at yourself in the mirror. Um, and probably also you dream of things. You, I think the experience to see the limitedness of life, you know, you could die even. This, it is a very strange experience. And Suddenly you dream of all these things you always wanted to do or, or you have to dream to, to stay young forever. I want to live my now. Once the lockdown is down, I want to live to the fullest. And that's really, I think, what, what people make the decision to go for plastic surgery. Plus, we shouldn't forget, it's a perfect time for plastic surgery because after the surgery, well, you might be bruised or swollen. The first week, two weeks uh, can be crucial, but now you have all masks and the moment the patient leaves the, cl- the the office, they have the sunglasses, they have the face mask. They could go shopping now, but it would wonder. And and they said that's amazing. Even you know, a bit more bruised. And sometimes yes, it is annoying. It takes two weeks to bruise away. Now they have masks. They can go everywhere. Nobody wonders what they did. It's a perfect timing. Yeah. So ladies, if you're listening to this, it's definitely the perfect timing. So no one's gonna know you can just you know like nobody like knows say, just no, honestly and people said that they even ran into friends a few days later and usually you would avoid going out probably in the first three four five days and they don't think anything they had conversations with their friends and they didn't notice anything so mm. that's amazing Oh, that's fantastic. Let's talk about the trends and procedures and the practices that you've seen over the years. And 
And how has this changed from when you first started treating clients to now? The reason I ask this question is because I, I, I do believe that procedures have moved forward a lot and they're a lot more advanced now. And I guess part of my question as well was, do you think it's a better time to have surgery now than it was years ago? Because procedures can just look so much more more natural exactly. now if you go to the right person. Exactly. So, you know, I think so is that in the past, the only thing that made people think a thousand times before going, you know, through plastic surgery was, will I have a natural result? And that's, it's, it's striking. It's always been like that, especially Europe, is you don't get away with a, with a fake looking result or an operated, you know, look. In America, it's different. In the United States, everybody talks about plastic surgery. People are proud they have a facelift or, you know, a good job. And, you know, they give the business card of the, the plastic surgeon to the best friends. And, you know, you must go there. It's amazing. And how much did you spend? It's like almost a status symbol. So if it looks a bit done, nothing bad. In Europe, it's an absolute no-go. In Europe, um, people are still so secretive about it. Um, and I think all these, you know, in the last, what, 20 years, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was still a facelift meant for them walking through the street with a stigma of a face. It means, you know, this so-called wind tunnel look. It looks just a bit too stretched, too tight. The mouth may be stretched. Um, the smile, the expression is not natural. So these were the big fears. And they, yeah, there's a reason why there was a fear because the techniques were older. I'll explain you later, maybe. Um, but now seeing that, the results can be so amazing, and that should be the goal. For example, in the facelift, which of course I specialized over the last well, 10, 15 years, almost solely in facelift, necklace. Like, um, it's when you can see that a person looks exactly like she looked 10 years ago, 15, you, you mentioned 20, which is very flattering, but, but the most important thing is that there's no stigma of a facelift. And my patients don't want to look different, they want to look exactly the same, just younger. And this can be achieved with new techniques. And I think uh, the press, you know, writes about it. People are more aware of it. Um, unfortunately, it's still, if you have a great result, a woman's not going to run around and say, oh, I look amazing by Dr. Kramer or whoever else. So that's a bit of pity because it's so natural. They will get away saying, oh, I did nothing. I just changed my lifestyle. I, you know, I usually tell my patients, you know, if somebody says, oh, you look amazing, you maybe play even surprised. They say, well, really? Well, I don't even know. <laughs> you play like you did nothing. And nobody will pin you down and say, oh, look, here you look tight. Here look you're tight. You, you have a terrible scar. They're not going to see it. So they really get away. Mm. They did nothing. Saying that, I mean, I have seen some of your uh, before and after pictures from your clients, patients on your Instagram, and the the after pictures are absolutely outstanding. On 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 a few, I mean, you've only got a small selection on there, but the ones that you have, they're absolutely outstanding. And and although it does look very very natural, you can still tell because the results are so dramatic. For some of the ladies who had very aging, like tired, saggy skin. And yeah, when you look at pictures of when they were 21, they don't, some of them don't actually, you know, they still kind of look the same. They have that like youthful beauty that they had at that age. And you know, that's exactly, I know exactly what post you, you speak about. And it's good you, you also looked up the post when I compared the person with 49 to 21 before the facelift and then after the facelift, 49 and 21. I know exactly this post. And that's what I want to say. Um, even though the patient aged in a bad way, it looks really different to when they were 20 or 30. Um, the technique is, ah, there we see it. Yeah. The technique is so good that even though I don't know how they look with 21, um, I will probably with my technique create the look that had when they were 20, 30. I recreate their individual look and they're not going to look different. This lady you show, she 
when she was done, when I had operated her, she sent me the pictures, said, see, I, that's how I looked when I was 21. How did you know that actually I look really like this? Of course, I'm 49, but the facial features are exactly how they were. Um, and I said, well, I, I, I didn't know. I just followed a very, that's very important. I call it the TBT philosophy in anything facial rejuvenation means I do nothing unnatural to your face means again <laughs> the big mistake of a lot of plastic surgeons over the past is that they treat the symptoms they see jowls and say oh we don't want them so we cut them off or we have a nasolary fold so probably the best is to pull it to, to you know to, to make it disappear so that they focus on symptoms and create an unnatural look instead of saying that's my philosophy behind TBT. Turn back what time did. Just analyze why do we have the jowls? Why do we have marionette lines? Why do we have nasal parts? Why do we have a loss of volume over the mid face? And when you analyze why this is, you will come to the conclusion that gravity pulls during all our life everything, skin, fat tissue vertically down. So it makes sense that we just vertically, strictly vertical, lift back what dropped. So my my facelift um, is a strictly vertical lift. So any pull to the side will destroy and will create a new anatomy which you never had. You understand that if I pull the fat because I don't like it here to the side, well, I create a face that has a bit more fat here, and it will look different than when you look. 20, 30, 40, this fat was here. So I must lift it back up. And I really go, it's very straightforward. Lift strictly vertical. And I can guarantee you, you're going to look like yourself, just younger. This particular lady here, the podcast listeners won't be able to see this, this picture. However, if they go over to my Facebook, they will see the before and after pictures. But on the video, you can just see like the dramatic difference on this lady. Yeah, and, and you know is... she looks, yeah, she looks so natural. And what I love also, you show the the picture where she laughs. She's fifty on the. I was so exactly gonna this year. say that That's, her smile, and she has this big million dollar smile. Mm. You know, there's nothing tight or you know, an asymmetric smile or unnatural. She looks, I think, a million dollars. She looks so fresh. Ageless, she could be 39, 38, she's 50. Oh, I'd say she could be 37. Early, I would I'd, never doubt. I'd say early yeah. 30s, definitely. See, that, what, no, people said that too. Also, her smile, she looks very, very happy. Like, you know, that's kind you know, of like exactly, coming out mm -hmm. of her eyes. Like, I yeah, believe you yeah. recently had a one year consultation with this lady. Yeah. And yeah. So, in terms of like self esteem and confidence, do you notice what impact that the surgery yeah. has on your clients when they come and see yeah. you a year later? Do you notice that the energy is different, that they feel lighter, they feel huge, happier, more confident? Huge, huge, huge impact on, on their life, their personality, change to good. For example, this lady um, we talk about, when I saw her in consultation, she, was, she came across very shy, she was timid, um, she didn't really look into my eyes. Uh, she was what, crying about the way she looked. She was obviously not happy. She had also a chronic, uh, underlying chronic disease. So she showed definitely signs of premature aging because she looked really old for 49. You could look much better at this age. So, but she was very yeah, insecure, of course. And, and we talk about it maybe later. Nowadays, it's, it's unfortunately, thanks to social media, all about how you look, that's the first impression, so how you look. And of course, if you think you look so much older, you go in the room and think, okay, nobody looks at me and I look terrible. And that's what she really expressed. It was clear to me that she was very insecure. After this, you know, on top of it also, what's very important is of, course, of the zagging, usually the mouse, the angle of the mouse pulls down in everyone who ages, and but in hers, particularly it really went on. So that gives immediately an unhappy look. You know, even if maybe there of course there were situations you were happy in life, if the mouth is like this, 
people constantly, oh, you're not feeling good. No, you're, you're unhappy, right? And that's a lot of women say, I can't stand it because actually I, I, I feel much better, but people think I'm miserable all the time. So, of course, when we did the facelift, it immediately, after two weeks, I saw her stitch removal and she was still a bit skeptical. It had quite tight. I remember that she was I'm tired. I think I can breathe. So like, relax. It's going to be all good. I saw her six weeks later and she was over the moon. She, I don't know, maybe she just, you know, had your friend. She, the clothes, your friend. The way she entered the room, uh, you know, she owned the room. Um, she was very bubbly. Uh, she, she was full of energy. Now, of course, I saw her, I think, three months later and I saw her like two weeks ago. And, a year, one year follow up. She, the picture shows that she was smiling, which I've never seen her smiling before the surgery. It just, she came across like a miserable person. Maybe she wasn't, but, but it just looked like it. And, and now she, she was like, I own the world. I turned 50. I, I didn't care at all. At 50, it's nothing. And, you know, because suddenly, yeah, you, you think you look like 35. Cause he said, people look, you know, they turn their hats when I go somewhere. And, um, she is also at work, you know, she doesn't feel, uh, oh, she's the old one. People think, oh, she's not, she's not, has no energy. She's not going to make it much longer. She is, she belongs to the young crowd now. And, um, I think it's, it's, but it's not just her. That's a very typical, um, um, effect of a good facelift. You must imagine, you know, I always say, you look at yourself or, or I think always how I feel. Our real age, we never feel like our real age. So it's, I asked my patient, do you think you're 50? Do you think you're 55? And they say, no, I think actually I'm 35. Well, they know on the paper they're 55, but it's the same with me. I think I'm, I feel like uh, I'm 33, 4, from, you know, from the way I'm with friends, from the mood in life. And I think the problem is that when you look in the mirror and suddenly you see a much older person. This is so shocking. Imagine you, the, the lady we just talked about. She thinks she is 36, but she looks in the mirror and sees like a 60-year-old woman. It's such a discrepancy that people can um, process that in the head, and that makes them really go under the knife to change something because it it stops them. Because you think, well, I think of myself. I think I'm 34. I, I know I'm not, but but you know from the from the vibe, the vibrancy of life. That's how I feel. So if I looked in the mirror and think, oh my God, this is an old man looking at me, it will stop me in my enthusiasm and my you know uh, hunger for life. So I think that's what people, that's why they go for surgery. It's interesting because I was watching um, an interview with Oprah and Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda very famously used to say that she'd never ever have surgery i think it was a couple of no years she didn't ago. say that i can't believe that no, no. she had i'm sure two she has left. she has had <laughs> surgery no no but i believe i truly believe she'd got to a certain age like she recently divorced i think it was a couple of years ago she divorced her husband and she's now kind of entered a new relationship and she has actually had a facelift now but what was so famous, and like, I don't expect she would be lying, but what was so famous about her was that she said that she'd never had any kind of surgical work done, and she did look incredible. But then she made the decision to have surgery, just the impact, you know, and the difference, I think, that that's kind of made to her relationship and to her, and to her life. But also career-wise, you know, suddenly I've seen her so much on TV. Um, uh, you know, what's the show... Grace, there was this uh, show, uh, no, a few seasons. She's been so busy now. Of course, suddenly she looks amazing. She's 80, I think, which is insane. On top of it, always, you know, worked out. She's a very lean body, a young body that helps also for the whole illusion that somebody looks younger. She's wonderful hair, you know, beautiful hair with, with age. Her transformation is just Amazing. I mean, I'm stunned. You look so elegant, cool. She is beautiful crazy. and for 80. One thing that I love that she said, that she said she dances with her husband every night for about an hour. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so hard. You know, I tell you something very, very important. I don't know if you ever thought about it. <laughs> it sounds, it doesn't sound crass, but I tell you, I hear it a lot of times. There are these women, and I think it's great when you are gifted enough to be so strong and think like that. There are women 
or men who age and they are proud of their wrinkles. They are they, they are proud to see um, how they age, even if they age bad, because each wrinkle shows you know they worked hard, they you know had conflicts in their life, they fought in their life. They are proud of their achievement and that shows in their face. And I recently was dinner with very good friends. They had a very good friend invited this lady maybe in 50s. From the picture, young, beautiful, but she showed clear signs of facial aging that I I think I could operate her. She would look stunning, just, you know, refreshed. But it was, and she wanted to know all about the surgery, but then she said, you know what? I think I earned all these wrinkles. I feel sexy. I feel, you know, good about myself i i think i deserve that and, and you know i was fascinated in a good way and i would never convince this woman to do anything i think she's blessed you know, i think it's amazing when people are strong enough and have have a good attitude towards aging but she is the minority I'm telling you, most people see differently. They see each wrinkle. The more you wrinkle, they look older. It shows them, it makes them, yeah, the limitedness of their life. It goes to an end. You know, if the more you have wrinkles, it's also that the less time you have to live. For a lot of people, it's that. So the older a person looks at mirrors, okay, more and more, it goes towards the end. That's what they say. Which I understand, and that's terrifying. That must be terrible. So these, and you know, aging is anyway a very difficult process. And, and I think anybody who says, oh, I look in the mirror, I don't care. Everybody has a certain melancholy looking back oh, when I was younger. So I don't believe if people say, I look in the mirror, I'm full of wrinkles, I don't care. So what, we all care more or less. This lady had a very good um, attitude. Right. A lot of people don't. And these people should you know, if I, just knowing they could do something gives them the power, they, they feel powerful. I think knowing you can nothing, you do nothing, you fade away in the end, this is for God, it's terrible. <laughs> but so a lot of people who talk to me, I think they're just leaving the consultation happy to know, okay, well, once I wake up, I really hate it, I can do something. And maybe they do never anything, but it helps them to feel I have the power to change that. They, they age anyway, you know, the, the, the ear side, the, 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 the eyesight gets worse, we hear less, we have less power. There are so many things involved with aging. The look is just one part of it. But I think if we just can slow down this part of the looks, it helps people so much. Um, you know, Jane Fonda, that was saying, she looks amazing. She's 80. And if you have an 80-year-old lady, Full of wrinkles. Of course, you look at the mirror and think, oh my God, how much time do I have left? Jane Fonda, I'm sure, is not stupid. She knows that too. But what's happening? You know what? I look cool. I look even better than when I was 70. <laughs> and that's what a lot of these women say. They, they are 60 and they look better than when they were 50. Because at 50, 55, they had no, nothing done. With 60, suddenly they look like the, the 45. So it's, it's a bit of airbrush. We still age. We shouldn't know that. But I think it makes aging easier. Now, I'm very supportive of that. Yeah, I think I do think people like these days, like, you know, I'm in my 40s. And I remember when I was a child, like I used to You think, look 30. I used to You th look 30. Well, thank you. I know you, you're just being kind there. And I think the lighting's quite yeah. good in here. But um, yeah, when I was... Um, yeah, when I was young, I just remember thinking, oh, my God, that that's old. And even like looking around me and seeing people kind of my age, I think when, you know, in my generation kind of, you know, people maybe didn't take care of themselves as much as they do now. Whereas these days, they, you know, I, it's kind of like fashionable, I think, especially for younger guys to want to date, you know, like a 40 year old. And there's, you know, that term MILF has like become really popular. I know some 40-year-old women that actually look better than they do when they were in their 20s and 30s. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, and even sometimes even without surgery, traditionally 
face lifts and like neck lifts, you know, with a kind of like the aging lady like Jane Fonda who'd maybe got to 60, 70. But there seems to have been a changing trend and that these days there's more women in the late 40s that, you know, just thinking, you know, live and let live. I'd like to turn back the time, 10, 15 years. Why not do it? And the amount of women having surgery in the late 40s seems to have increased a lot. Have you noticed that within your clinic? You know, yes, um, dramatically. I would say in the last two years, uh, oh, well, not to throw around numbers, but but I would have a feeling 60% of the patients I operate facelift or necklift are under 50. So between 45 and 50. And the reason the... Most women say the reason why I do it, and it's very funny if you hear it, and I don't know if you can relate to your background, they say, oh my God, I start to look more like my mother. It's always like, oh my God, I, I remember my mother, and it's going to go the same way. And they have the mother now who's 70, 75, so they know where it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And, and they remember as children when the mother was their age, and she started to age, and they see the end result. So they say, no, I can't go this way. So it's very interesting. The, well, young women, I call them under 50, but it's a new generation. It's young for me. Um, they, they don't accept anymore to undergo, and I call it the trauma of aging. The trauma of aging means just starting to see the jowls make them think, Oh my God. I'm a step now. I see my mother. I see this old woman. I see my grandmother. And why they think, why suffer and panicking? And every morning think, oh my God, it's worse, worse, worse. So when they realize it starts, of course, they must show signs of aging. I'm not going to touch them with nothing. But they're willing to, to accept much less than an older generation. An older generation would have waited until really the jowls are down here, the neck is down here, and so let's do it. But young generation doesn't want to give in and they don't want to, you know, give away the look they have and they used to. If you if you think about it, let's say you're 46, you're 48. So 48 years, you're used to your face. That's how you look. And suddenly, a lot of women say that within a year, I, I had to feel it kind of drop. This got deeper. So married lines. You know, the jaw is not defined anymore. But my trademark, my signature, was this very defined face. So they, they don't want to let go, which I understand that. So I'm for them. I, that's the face they know for 48 years. And because a lot of people say, yeah, but it's you when, you know, when you're 50, look older. They, yeah, actually, no, that's not me, they say. That was me for 48 years. That was my face. And I want to keep on to it, um, hold on to it. Um, so that's what they do. Also, a lot of women, the reason is, of course, it gets very competitive at work. A lot of time they hear that they say, you know, I'm surrounded by younger folks, younger women, and I feel now I am the oldest, and I have the feeling, wow, they don't even know, that they're chatting behind my back, and, you know, she looks tired, she's not going to make it, how long can, how much longer, you know, can, can she deal with a tough job? And but they say, I'm full of energy. I'm, I'm full of energy and I've, I'm full of experience. But just because my mouse is a bit down and I look soft at the jawline, people think I'm tired. So that's very annoying. So that's also a reason what they say, you know what? I'm competitive. I, I want to, you know, look young. And, and of course, third of all, they know that the technique has become so much better and that you, that you don't need to wait anymore until everything has set. You can't already minor changes, minor cha- um, uh, signs of premature aging. Of, of aging, um, you can erase them with a very well done facelift. So, and of course, women are now more independent. They don't need to ask the husband anymore. They have their jobs. They're successful. A lot of these women are really successful business women. Have wonderful patients. Who are, well, I almost look up to them. They are. I don't know, they're cool ladies who made it themselves, um, full of energy, vibrant, and they just say, you know what, it's not, this is not how I feel when I look in the mirror. I'm strong. I have the money. I have the power. I created my career, and now I create again. I maintain my look. I create my persona and 
this is not me. This used to be me. They show me pictures and then they do it. It's interesting what you say that many of the women that come and see you are are quite strong, confident, powerful women because the, the, uh, there is kind of like a, a perception that a lot of women that are thinking about having surgery, they're kind of narcissistic and they've got deep-seated insecurities. I guess you've seen so much in your job over the years and maybe you see both sides of the coin. I mean, you know, but what would you say was, was the typical person that, that came to you? Is it someone that, like I say, has got very deep-seated insecurities and, and their problems actually go a little bit deeper than than facially it's them that they need to work on you know my patients are usually um they're really how can i say they're they're mentally strong they can make the difference who they really are inside and this is just a look and they would love to have you know there's no discrepancy so and they know specifically they, they point out this is wrong this is wrong this makes sense and once it's fixed, they're happy. What you say is, and this exists, and it's very difficult to, to find this out before you operate them. Women who, well, you bring up the word body dysmorphic disorder, who have probably underlying issues in their life, uh, which they don't want to face. Maybe they're too painful. So all their problems in life, why they feel so bad is because this, a little, well, not maybe too tight jawline. But they explain you so well that you say, well, it's true, you have that, you can do that. Once you realize it was a mistake to operate them, is when they suddenly are either not happy, even though the result is very, very good. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, you look amazing. They say, but now I have they, 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 I hear something, and you're like, and suddenly there's a new problem, and then you say, mm, really? And well, probably you're not going to touch them anymore, but let's say you would do that. Probably they would come up with something, but now my nose is not good anymore. Well, so <laughs> all the alarm bells are ringing, and so that's a whole different thing. It, it is, mm, it's quite rare. We still say 10 to 50 percent of all plastic surgery patients probably suffer a or dysmorphic disorder. Um, I had very few cases over the past, you know, 11 years I'm in London. Very rare. But if this happens, you really think, hmm, how could I not see it coming? Uh, and you, of course, you think, how, oh, why? <laughs> but uh, they really hide it so well that they come across at the beginning as a normal patient. And then afterwards, you realize that they have other problems. They just, if you tell them, they're, they're almost, <laughs> it's very difficult to talk about it because if you say, you know, actually, you look really good. And they say, no, but no. And you say, but you have nothing. It looks amazing. And because, and, and if you tell them maybe what they might suffer off, um, they don't want to accept that because they don't want to face the real problem in their life. Is it a relationship issue, the husband they never loved, you know, they're stuck in a relationship, children unhappy with their children, things like this. So it's easier to say, oh, it's I'm all unhappy because I have this mini bump on the nose, which probably you don't even have. Um, that, that's interesting. That's a real problem. But it's, I would say, to be fair, most of my patients, I would say 90 to 95%, really reasonable. They are over the moon after the surgery. Um, they had the right expectations and the right reasons to do it and um, no concern from my side. Yeah, yeah. One thing that um, I've kind of discovered about you through doing my research is that you are very ethical. Uh, like, say, for, for instance, you refuse to do Brazilian butt lifts because they do, they can be fatal, I understand. And then, you know, you've also been campaigning in Parliament for, you know, younger, which I believe, uh, I could be wrong on this, for, for younger girls not to have fillers. You did your homework. I yes, certainly did do my homework, yeah. You know, the thing is, what I really, I'm telling you something. Even though, well, I love what I'm doing. As a child, I wanted to become a plastic surgeon. It's very funny. I was maybe 12 years old, I said, I've become a plastic surgeon. So, so it was always this focus on, you know, 
I saw my grandmother aging, that my parents aging. It always made me a bit sad, which is weird as a child. Maybe, maybe you don't, shouldn't notice, but for me, it was always something melancholic. I saw the pictures of my beloved grandmother. She was young, now she was but funny. As a child, I noticed consciously, and I and I thought I have to I have to do something. Um, so I I became a plastic surgeon, and but I'll, I'm still, and that's very important. First. I am a medical doctor. I'm, I'm in medicine. I, I I swore on the hip the Hippocratic oath. So it's not a business. I, 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 how can I say it? Because people think, oh yeah, plastic surgeon or whatever makes money. Yes, of course we earn some money, but that was never the the reason to do it. Uh, the child had no clue. I didn't know. <laughs> um, plus, it's really I'm a doctor first and. The safety of a patient always comes first. I would never do anything that I think is a risk for my patient, such as the Brazilian butt lift. And we must say it's a plastic surgery with the highest mortality. Well, to, to say the word mortality, like people can die. It's the deadliest plastic surgery. I'm not going to do a surgery on a patient having in my mind, in my head, there's a tiny risk that this young woman could be dead on the operation table. And I don't know who can do that. They won't, they can't give you a guarantee that it won't happen. Stupid things happen. This patient can be dead. And I think it's not worth it for a fuller butt, which is anyway, again, it's a fashionable thing. 20 years ago, it would have been a totally, you know, a no-go. It would have been a no-go to have like the Kim Kardashian bath. Now suddenly it, it's the must-have. So well, this can be different in another five or ten years. And you undergo, and especially young women, procedures and sometimes with surgeons which are not very well qualified, who have not the high ethic, who must survive and make money. And they're going to do the surgery and the patients know and the surgeon know this patient could die. I find it crazy. You, you, that's crazy. So never, but also, you know, all the techniques I use, for example, the facelift I use, this technique is amazingly effective. You've shown the picture of the patient. You can go on my Instagram. There are lots of before, after. The technique is amazing. But again, a facelift, for example, the facial nerve is in danger. So there are techniques that expose a lot the facial nerve, which means a patient knows that with a facelift, could be facial nerve damage. You could have a paralyzed face, which is, again, something I would never do. So I choose a technique which is the safest for the patient. Of course, it must have the best outcome. I'm not going to compromise and say, well, it's less good, but it's safer. No, but I would never <laughs> use this technique. A lot of people ask me, I'm not going to put my patient under the risk. Even I'm... I'm as experienced as possible. There might be a bleeding. I have to use an electric forceps close to a facial nerve. The facial nerve gets damaged. Even if you're for months are paralyzed, this is no fun. This is, you know, for beauty. In the end, we talk about beauty. We don't do heart surgery. The patient's not going to die if I don't operate it. It's, it is elective. And it's a bit, it's vanity. It's well-being. We do it for this reason. So we can't expose the patient to a huge health risk or death. No way. But there are, there are people who do it. I would never do that. It, I, I couldn't. It, it would freak me out. Do you think the industry should be more regulated against surgeons continually doing multiple, multiple treatments, um, procedures on, on clients? I guess it's like anything. Like, you know, I'm an ex-financial advisor in, in Dubai and the job that came with very high commissions and as a result of that it was paid handsomely you got advisors that would just go out there and, and advise for their own gain and not for the client's gain this is it you know how it is so I'm, I'm telling you personally it's very funny but I don't like going to the doctors I rarely go but me I feel too. quite healthy and fed <laughs> I, you know, because me I had the feeling whenever I went Suddenly, it was like, oh, we have to do this test, this test, and oh, this is slightly higher. We do this test. In the end, I was healthy. And I, then I thought, well, 
we shouldn't forget, be careful what I say, but we should for, shouldn't forget that, of course, everybody has a job to live from this job. So if everybody goes to the GP and the GP says, actually, everything's fine, they, they have no job. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, of course, they do everything the best, best conscience. But that's why I say you must also trust a, a medical practitioner, a surgeon, a medical doctor, that they really are not guided by financial reasons. And, and what I just can say for myself, I would never do anything that I'm not convinced this is good for the patient. And, um, no, I could, I couldn't even imagine doing that, but, but I'm sure there are, and so I'm not going to generalize. There are lots of amazing surgeons. Great doctors, yes, but they are the black sheep. And I think if a patient gets to a black sheep and doesn't realize um, alarm bells should ring, they don't, they can be in danger. If, for example, you know, I tell you, a lot of my patients come in, they ask, I tell, I ask them, what are you not happy with? What is it? So, so they explain me what it is. I look at the problem. I will advise them. And that's it. What I won't do, and they say, oh, they're very surprised because I went to another surgeon and they said, why don't you also do the eye lift, the brow lift? Why don't you do a temper lift and your, your, your ears? I'm like, well, because you didn't ask me and it seems you're happy with it. So this, I think, should alarm bells should ring. If somebody says, well, what can you do? Just tell me anything. Well, yes. But if somebody says, I want a facelift, and I suddenly say, why don't you also do the rhinoplasty and your eyelid? It's, sorry, you're driven by making money. I find it bad. It's not ethical. Um, I would never do that. But I'm surprised because my patients tell me in consultation, they say, oh, it's good. You're the first one who actually didn't talk me into anything else. I said, well, I won't because I'll tell you why. If you come for the neck, you don't like your neck, I will help you because you're not happy with the neck. If I suddenly say, oh, your nose could be done, but you never had a problem with your nose. You went to bed and thought, I look great, my nose is good. So now a plastic surgeon puts this seat in your head and I tell you, your nose is not good. So I will start <laughs> making you insecure. So now it's not just the neck. Now you go home and say, well, the, the doctor said the nose is not good. So it's not fair. And, and, and of course, I can guide a patient. I can influence a patient. They look up to me. I can tell them everything. I think you must be very respectful um, uh, what, how you do um, and, and really never be guided by any, you know, any, any, any benefit. There are lots of surgeons like that. I, you know, don't, there are lots, but I'm sure there are a few who would do differently. No, I think that's not okay. You should never do that. You must leave the consultation and think, I'd be great. Dr. Kramer said my neck can be fixed. I'm happy. I love it. And you shouldn't go home and say, oh, actually, the nose and the eyes. Uh, again, insecure. I want you to leave my office happy. And then you say, oh, my God, it's really cool. It can be fixed. So, um, well, that's ethical, I think. Yeah, 100%. I believe so. Yeah, and it's very reassuring to hear you say that. Uh, Dr. Kramer, as well as having a prestigious clinic on Harley Street, you're also a visiting doctor in Dubai. I'm interested yeah. to know, have you noticed a different in attitude from the UK and over here? I've lived here for 10 years and, and I know over the years, my personal views have, have changed in relation to things like this. A lot of my friends in the UK, I could have a conversation with them about surgery and they'd probably get all judgmental and you know it's just not I think in some circles but especially in the UK in particular it's not really spoken about as much whereas over here like getting Botox is like it's like having your nails done and I, I just feel over here as well people tend to come from less judgment when it comes to things like like surgery they're just a lot more open about it yeah 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 no. oh you know it, it's much more americanized if it comes to plastic surgery in the uae much more um i think they really look over the the ocean to places like los angeles beverly hills they're really addicted <laughs> to good news all the movie stars so the, the culture is really um 
when it comes to plastic surgery, more American than European. And you're right, in Europe, it's still a secret. And, and for example, um, with my Instagram, of course, I have loads of amazing people after, but nobody would ever allow me to put the face on Instagram. So when you look at American colleagues, they are full of before after, and I think, well, how do they do it? Because really, I ask them, and people say, oh, no, please don't do it. And, you know, it, in Europe, it's still something you, they fear they come across like superficial vein if you had a facelift. They still want to do it, but they think they're judged like this. So really, they just want to play like that. They did nothing. And of course, it's much better that you get compliments. You're 55. You say, you look so amazing. And you just take the compliment and say, well, yes, <laughs> good lifestyle. Then saying, yes, well, I paid, I don't know, 50,000 pounds for my facelift by whoever. It's less, you know, people think it's less award uh, uh, an award, uh, getting award uh, by saying I had a facelift. So, so they want to get away with how oh, did nothing or oh, my jeans are so good, my mom looked very good. In the UA, it's more Americanized, and it's true. Um, Botox and filler, their clinics everywhere. Um, but this has changed in the UK too. I mean, the clinics everywhere. The problem is in the UK, it's not not regulated. Means, and I. I don't know. I think in UAE is much more regulated. In the UAE, you must be a, a doctor, a medical professional. I, I don't even know if you can, as a nurse, do it. Here in the UK, you could do it. You could open your Botox and filler clinic, which is crazy, um, which means hairdressers can offer it, a nail salon can offer it. You do you take classes over the weekend and then, well, get a license that you did, you did it, you learned it, and then you start probably offering for very low price. Um, like this, you can attract patient. Um, and that's a danger. Young people, for example, what, who maybe can't afford a few hundred pounds, dollars, uh, and they see an offer for $80. Botox, they think, oh, I go. And, you know, they're less critical if you're 80, 90, and the youngsters start doing it, unfortunately, I must say. We'll talk about it maybe later. Um, but, but so that's the danger in, in the UK that you can end up, end up in a dodgy place uh, with somebody completely inexperienced. And they always talk about non invasive, non surgical, um, and non um, treatments, non invasive seems like they just put the hand on it and you're going to look good. No, you put a needle deep, deep, deep through the skin into the muscle or, you know, in, in subcutaneous fat tissue. So there are nerves, there are vessels that you can hurt, you can put an infection into the face. So it is quite invasive, but this non-invasive labeling makes people think, oh, it's nothing. And I think uh, you're quicker doing something also with a non-medical practitioner. So this is not protected. I think in the UAE it is. I think even if you're a dentist, uh, that's what I heard, you can't even do it. You must be uh, at least a real doctor. So that's quite good, but it's really the trend in the UAE everywhere, and people really change addresses. Where do you go? Where do you go? What's good? So that's a hype. It's true. It's finding really good doctors as well. I think that is the challenge. You know, there's lots of clinics around. You you only have to drive down Beach Road and there's a clinic on every other house, every other villa. It is finding kind of the good, reputable doctors like yourself. You know, I think it really it's worthwhile. Um, it, it's worth uh, to, to do research, a lot of research, because as I said, this non-invasive treatment is in the end quite invasive. I call it, well, not me, just me, but it's called a blind procedure. Means I take a needle, place it at a certain point in the face, but then once I pierce through the skin, well, I assume what is underneath, but you know, the vessels are sometimes, you know, running a bit differently than in, in, in the textbook. Uh, nurse, a bit more superficial, you know. So, once I'm through the skin, I don't know, it's blind. I inject, I leave a depot of filler, hyaluronic acid, for example, and, well, I guess it's at the right place. <laughs> I can be wrong. 
I pierce too deep or too superficial. I don't see it. I have no clue. That's what we call a blind procedure. It needs a lot of experience. So really, you can mess it up. And I've seen terrible results. Um, actually, with, with treatments that I thought were very easy, I'm, it's mind-boggling to see what people ended with. Lips, terrible, or terrible cheeks. Um, and even, you know, skin necrosis. You know, part of the nose skin could die. Uh, lips can die. So all this can be done with these non-invasive treatments. So... Me, I would always advise to go at least to a plastic surgeon. Well, in, in UK, we have, I don't know if this exists, cosmetic doctors, which are actually GPs who also do weekend courses. I'm not very happy with that either, because really you, you must have studied the anatomy and you do that as a surgeon. Uh, um, whereas dentist, I wouldn't really trust. I would go see a plastic surgeon or a dermatologist, I'm I'm happy with that, and maybe spend the two hundred dollar more, and have a result I'm really happy with. Dr. Kramer, thank you so much for your time. It's been very refreshing talking I to you. I loved it. It was so good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and it's just great. and meeting someone who's got very you know in a position like yourself who's got very good ethics and and morals when it comes to. To treating your your patients oh, for you. anyone listening to this where would they be able to find you in the uk and in dubai where you know well of course the the the, the london website is huge and it's uh well I, if i can say www.harleystreetaesthetics.com i think when they google dr dirk kremer there will be so many, there will be a website. Also in Dubai, there's a website. It's called Perfect Doctors, perfectdrs.com. Um, and they can contact you Instagram, Kremer. It's very helpful. Lots of before and after pictures. Um, we love to hear from you. Excellent. Okay. And I will put all those links to in the, um, in the comments Super. section. So it's such a pleasure. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's, you look amazing, look, as usual. <laughs> thank you so much. So it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, like, like I say, thank you so much for your time today. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Have, Bye. Um, Bye. have a wonderful holiday.